Welcome to the One Church Home podcast. This podcast is directly tied to our weekly teachings. If OCH isn't your home church, we encourage you to get plugged into your local body. We pray the sermon blesses you as we press into the Word of God together. Last week, we, we kind of turned the shift. We, we have been looking at the book of Ephesians, and we started a new series entitled Change the World. And and this really is a, 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 an attempt, a, it's our vision to, to head into the opening of our new facility with a clarity about who we are and why we're here. That, that, that it's so, as we kind of look toward and look at having our new uh, building opened up, that, that it could be confusing to think, well, now once we move into this new building and this new space, that somehow we've arrived, and that is as far from, from true as you can get. That in fact, when we think about kind of how we've existed, that, that for all these years, whether it's been meeting in schools or whether it's been meeting in open-air barns and preaching in parkas or, or houses, that we have been fishing off the shore, right? I'm not a fisherman, this is my motion, if I was fishing, I'd be a fly fisherman. But, but we've been fishing off the bank, so to speak. And, and, and this imagery that we've shared over the last couple of years is we want to build a facility. But that facility isn't a destination. It's a launch pad. Because we want to move into a facility, into a vessel that can launch us out into the deep and take us out into a place for more opportunity and more ministry, take us out into the deep water, so to speak. And so for us, it's, it's simply a, a stepping stone. It's the next kind of iteration of what God has done here at One Church Home. And so this last year has been all about building the church, and, and that doesn't just mean building a church building. That's just part of it. But in fact, we've been working together on our, on our bylaws as an elder board, our governance to make sure that's strong and solidified. And as our staff has grown to kind of clarify our culture and, and who we are. And, and a part of it too is really identifying what is the mission of One Church Home? What are we shooting? Because there's no end to good opportunities in the kingdom of God, right? Like, I mean, how many people, you get saved, you meet Jesus, and then and then they have a ministry fair and you just go, oh my gosh, there's a lot of opportunity in the kingdom of God. There's actually more opportunity than hours in the day. There's more opportunity than resources that you personally have. So you've got to constantly, whether it be the church or whether it be your own family or your personal life, understand what is my mission and what has God called me to do? Because otherwise, if we spread ourselves too thin, we'll be of no kingdom use, right? If you sign up, like in a few weeks, we're gonna do one of those ministry things where you get to kind of see where do you fit. And if you go sign up for every team, every team's gonna be mad at you because they're gonna go, wait, wait, wait. Jimmy, you're on, you're on everybody's list. He probably is. His wife just said that, so. But if he's on everybody's list, that means what? He's on nobody's list because he's not available to do the thing God's called him to do in this moment. That being said, as a church, 
what our mission is matters because it helps us stay on track and in alignment with what God's called this house to do. And so last week, we kind of shared the, the mission of One Church Home. I'm not saying a new mission because it's always been. We just finally put words around it. We said this, that our church exists to empower people to live the abundant life in Jesus Christ. That that's why we're here. We're here to live a life empowering people, right? We're not here to entertain people. We're not here to bring just comfort people. We're not just here to, to, to counsel people. We're here to empower people to go out and live the way Jesus designed them and intended them to live. We wanna equip them and encourage them, do all that. But ultimately, we wanna empower people to say, no, 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 it's not us to live. It's you get to live the abundant life and it's only through Jesus. So we started last week looking at this idea of what is an empowered life? Why empowerment? And empowerment is such a powerful word because it's who Jesus is and it's what he did. I mean, I mean, in his sovereignty, God could have done this however he saw fit. Like he could have done it however he wants. I mean, he could have just been comfortable and, and, and said, hey, I'm just gonna kind of snap my fingers and, and make this thing happen. And, and yet the only way he saw fit was to send his son to live, to show us how to live in the kingdom, to die, to resurrect, and to, to, to reign eternally, to invite us into a life with him, not just to show up with him in heaven, but to live an empowered kingdom-filled life here on the earth to show the world what it looks like to see the kingdom of God right here, right now. So he empowers. And so we as a church wanna live that empowering kind of life and we looked last week at, at the instructions where Jesus took the 70 and he said, hey, here you go. Here's, here's the opportunity that's before you. Go out first two by two. And, and as I send you into the world, as I empower you to go out into the world, do it together. You can't do this alone. That should be like a, on your radar. The second thing he says is there's huge opportunity before you, the, the laborers are few, but the harvest is plentiful. So when you start living an empowered life, do it together, live in community. Know this, that, that there's gonna be massive opportunity, but the laborers are few, so pray for the Lord of the harvest. He goes on, he says, this is gonna be scary. I'm sending you out as sheep among wolves. And we looked at the five different wolves that, that we see from that word. He says, you can't do it on your own strength. Take nothing with you, knapsack, pillow, blanket, nothing. You can't do this in the natural. You're gonna have to lean on the supernatural. He goes on, and this is so crazy in modern, modern church. He says, don't talk to anybody on the road either. That's gonna be tough for some of us. But what he's saying there is your mission matters what you're called to do, what God has, has put on you matters more than just, you know, wasting your time along. It's not wasting time to stop and greet people, but, but we looked at Nehemiah, how he said, man, why should I come down from the wall so the work would stop just to go to oh no with you? And so the truth is, is he's saying, hey, we've got to stay focused on our mission. As you live an empowered life, he says, make sure you're in the right spot. Don't, don't. 
Don't go to the wrong house. But when you find a house, when you find the right spot, stay there and don't jump around. It's a really interesting idea that's kind of different than this, you know, smorgasbord of, of, of online church, right? Like we think about, we think about this and, and you know, one of the things COVID did is, is it showed how many different things are going on. At one point, you could be at every church all over the planet every single Sunday morning. And it's like, that's, that was kind of cool until you realized like you, you weren't there. And so there, don't forsake this to go jump around. He's, and, and I'm not, this isn't just a church thing, but in our own life, he's going, hey, when we live an empowered life, make sure that we're having, we're in the right spot. And once we make sure, once that peace comes back to us, don't go to any other house. Your job is not to, to take care of the whole neighborhood. Your job is to take care of this place. And so it's a fascinating idea. Don't jump around. He goes on and he says, give everything you've got. Heal the sick, but then let them know that the kingdom of heaven is near for them. So give it all you got and don't stop sharing the gospel. Number nine, he says, know when to go. That sometimes you gotta say, hey, this isn't a fit. I'm dusting the shoes, or the dust off my feet. Yeah, I gotta know when to go. That's an unusual thing to promote as a pastor. Number 10, be empowered because he now says it's not just that the kingdom's near them, but he now says the kingdom of God is near to you. When you live the empowered life, the kingdom of God is near to you. So now I wanna explore what happens next. In the midst of all the, the, the chaos and all the heaviness of, of the world around us, I wanna look at something that's pretty fascinating in the sequence of the way God's laid this out. But what happens after he sends them out is they return. In Luke 10, 17 through 24, and we're gonna go on for a while today, we're gonna look at the results, what happens, what are the, what's the byproduct of living an empowered life? It starts like this, it says, then the 70 returned with joy, saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. And he said to them, watch the posture of Jesus through this process. He said to them, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Behold, I give you authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. And nothing shall by any means hurt you. Nevertheless, don't rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you, but rather rejoice because your names are written in heaven. You see, beloved, there is something, if we look at kind of just where, I mean, let's be real. Like, let's get, a, get our head out of the clouds from it. Let's just be real. I don't see us, I'm not just talking about them, I don't see us walking in supernatural power the way the word of God promises all the time. But I do some of the time. And, and, and what I'm saying is like, I don't wanna just stand up here and act like, you know, listen, if you, if you join the church, if you follow God, if you do all the right things, you're gonna see I, what, I, what I believe has happened 
is we have subdued reality. We have we've fallen prey to a lie. We've believed something that isn't true and we've forsaken our power as, as, as empowered followers of Jesus. Because what this word is telling us is that when discipled people walk in the will and ways of God and live an empowered life, that there is authority and power in the life of the believer. That we have an unusual ability, not in our strength or our effort. You know, you can sound bite me here and it would sound, we don't have it in us, but Christ in you is, is powerful. That there's something where where it doesn't say that some power, remember back in Ephesians, all the different principalities, power and darkness, all that stuff, all the different, different alignments and arrays of battle formations that the enemy has against us, all power is subject to the believer when they're walking in the will and ways of Christ and living an empowered life. That has got to get on us. And y'all, I'm just saying, I watched this week. What what does he mean when he says, I saw Satan? What an interesting thing for him to open up and say, I saw Satan fall like lightning. Who is the prince of the power of this age? The enemy. But when the people of God walk in the empowerment of God, you can watch Satan fall like lightning. I saw it this week. I watched a friend of mine making bad decisions, doing terrible things, getting confronted by the people of God. The church showed up in somebody's life and I watched Satan fall like lightning. Transformation right in front of us. It it didn't happen in a moment. It It didn't happen the way I thought. But hour after hour, minute after minute, all of a sudden I heard some testimony gets, and and you go, what's happening? This is real. Because when the people of God walk in the empowerment of God, in the will and ways of God, we have power. And we've got to start appropriating that power as the body of Christ. We've got to, and and this isn't to walk out of here and be like, I'm going to start just being all weird. Right? You don't have spidey webs. But you have power and authority over all the darkness of this age. What am I doing? You have the ability to walk out and do things that you never thought about because an empowered life has power and authority with it. Romans 8, 31 and 39, the people of God need to put this on their I don't know why I always point to this. You need to write it on your uh, mirror at home. We do that sometimes. Romans 8, 31 and 39. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all. How shall he not with him also freely give all things, us all things? Who shall bring a charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is he who condemns? It is Christ who died and furthermore is also risen, 
who is even at the right hand of God, who also makes intercession for us. He's kind of building a case here. Well, what are we worried about? Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, distress, persecution, famine, nakedness, peril, or the sword? As it is written, for your sake we're killed all the day long and we accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Yet in all things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor power, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Church, it is, it is time for us to start realizing and recognizing and operating in the fact that when we start, you know, now here's the malfunction. If when, you, if when the church lives in the will and ways of God, they start walking in power, that means when you're not living in the will of ways for God, but you're acting like it, you're talking about it, it's no surprise you don't have power with it. This isn't an indictment on anybody, but it's just the reality. The reason we don't see it happening is because there's something that we're not seeing. There's some posture of behavior where we've parted ways with Jesus' teaching and we're wondering why we're parted ways with his power. We've got to get back to a simple life. We've got to dream big, but keep it simple. The next thing you need to do is live the way Jesus taught you to live. Do the simple things. Love people. Love God. Pursue God. Love each other. Take care of one another. Nurture one another. And then all of a sudden you'll see, man, we get to start seeing power come from this. I got to keep going. Luke 10 continues. In 20 and 24, it says, in that hour, Jesus rejoiced. So first he looked at them. He said, I see Satan fall like lightning. Don't rejoice in the power you have, but rejoice that your name is written forever. Now his posture shifts. In that hour, Jesus rejoiced in the spirit. So he turns and he's privately having a moment with the father. I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you've hidden these things from the wise and prudent and revealed them to babes. <clears throat> Even so, Father, for so it seemed good in your sight. All things have been delivered to me by my Father. And no one knows who the Son is except the Father, and who the Father is except the Son, and the one in whom the Son will reveal him. You see, we live in a bizarre time, in a culture that tries to separate living in God's will and ways and make that look like it's all about trying to earn God's love, right? So, so, so great strategy of the enemy to convince the church that doing what God says is legalistic and therefore non-beneficial. But, 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 the, but, the, but what they say is that the church should be just free to kind of act and do and not tied down to anything the Bible says because that would be trying to earn God's good graces. And that's not grace. 
Of course, we can't earn our salvation. Of course, we can't, we can't please God in the sense of, 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 of bridging the gap of separation between sinful humanity and a perfect and holy God. We listen to people give commentary. We listen to folks with no credibility. Like, like we listen to people called influencers that have nothing more than a following and a bold proclamation. We listen to them tell us how we should, but, but, but just ask this question. We need to ask the question constantly, who are we listening to and why? If I needed brain surgery and I showed up to the brain surgeon and a guy said, hey, I didn't go to school for this, but I have a great TikTok following and I'm really into brains. I'm leaving. You're leaving too. And if you're not, meet me after. We've got to talk. But eloquent speech and following isn't enough. We, we can't just listen to, to, to ideas of people that, that, that have some, some thing that it's like, we've got to get, but what is true? I often hear people misrepresent the scriptures. They say because Christ's sacrifice atones for sin, we shouldn't pursue living a life that pleases him. A life he called us to live and that life he called living to the fullest. Because if we do that, we're somehow denying his sacrifice and trying to get our salvation on our own. That's called throwing the baby out with the bathwater. Of course, it's only through Christ that we might receive the righteousness of God. And living a life pleasing to him isn't questioning that, it's because of that. So my children making me coffee or showing me how they finally mastered something we've been working on together isn't them trying to get me to love them, it's them sharing with me the fullness of their joy and that brings me joy. And so all of a sudden we need to realize the Bible speaks constantly of doing and living a life that's pleasing to God. 1 Thessalonians 2, 4. But as we have been approved by God and entrusted with the gospel, even so we speak not as pleasing to men, but God who tests our hearts, pleasing to God. I'm gonna move all the way down, guys, on the back. 2 Corinthians 5, 9. Therefore, we make it our aim, whether present or absent, to be well-pleasing to him. And we could go on and on and on, but the reality is, is that it says clearly, in that hour, Jesus rejoiced. What does that tell me? The second part of living an empowered life. The first one is we have power. The second one is when we do this, when we operate this way, when we live the empowered life, it pleases Jesus. Think about just the, the, the visual of this. I mean, he's sitting there and he's going, guys, 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 I love it. I see Satan fall like lightning. But don't rejoice in the power you have. And then he turns and he's like, dad, are you serious? He's rejoicing in the Holy Spirit to say, listen, this is God. Look what you've done. You've revealed it to them. And then finally, and I know we're running a little over, an empowered life is a blessed life. Luke 10, 23 through 24. Then he, Jesus, turned to his disciples so first to everybody, then privately with the Father through the Holy Spirit, then turned to his disciples and said privately, blessed are the eyes which see the things you've seen. 
For I tell you that many prophets and kings have desired to see what you see and haven't seen it, and to hear what you hear and haven't heard it. And y'all, we look so many places to find what blessed is. This world is full of people searching for blessing. Our world has been pursuing self-gratification, comfort, satisfaction for a long time now. We think more will make us happier. We see everything as the grass is greener over there, yet we have not reached happiness. In fact, we found the opposite. We're sicker, more depressed, more anxious, more overstimulated, and more afraid than we've ever been. Even Bono said he still hadn't found what he's looking for. Beloved, the crazy simplicity of Jesus astounds me sometimes. He closes this section after praying and rejoicing to the Father by telling the disciples more than influence, power, insight, or resources. This is the real blessing. And this isn't the same word that you see in Ephesians, blessed, blessed, and blessed. This word actually means happy and fulfilled. So he says, you want to you live a life of power? You want to live a life that be, is pleasing to God? You want to be happy? I don't think there's a single person in this room that doesn't go, I want to be happy. <laughs> right? I mean, I'm, this is a, that's a real question. Is anybody? Come on. Happy, fortunate. That's actually what it means. Love it far too often. I believe people miss the abundant life because they never live an empowered life. It's obvious that we were meant to do more than just attend services one time a week. That we were meant for more than just working till you don't have to anymore. Dreaming of a day where you don't have anything to do. Wishing our present away. We are Christians more than conquerors on a mission to see his kingdom come and will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And you're more than your job, your bank account, your title. You're a part of the greatest movement of love the world has ever known. Love, sacrifice, and redemption. And the great part is, it's not all about you. It's not on your shoulders. All you have to do is point to him. But it's in an empowered life where we do the will of the Father, where we operate in the way the Bible has designed us, that we will find power, we will find real eternal influence, we'll find a life that is pleasing to God, where we can, we can be like children that are, are happy, that our Father's happy, and we can find that blessed, happy, and fortunate life we've all been looking for. It's not out there somewhere. It's right here. And so we as the body of Christ, we get to inherit these truths and then operate them and appropriate them in a way that changes the world because it's who we're called to be and it's what we're called to do. Amen, somebody? Amen and amen. Father, we love you. We thank you for who you are. Thank you for patient people. Seven minutes over, it's a big deal. But Lord, we trust you and we honor you and we ask that not one jot or tittle would be taken from us today. 
but that we would walk out of here living an empowered life to do the will of our Father, to operate in the will and ways of Jesus, that we would appropriate and walk in the authority given to us through Christ, that we would live a life pleasing that would cause you to rejoice and that we would live a blessed, happy, and fortunate life. Not out of some misplaced sense of happiness, but true, real, biblical, eternal happiness. We love you and honor you in Jesus' name. Amen, church. Amen and amen. God bless you guys. If you're new with us, make sure to see a pastor in the lobby on your way out. God bless y'all.